You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. President Donald Trump told a crowd of Michiganders on his most recent visit that he wants to see the Sioux Locks upgraded and brought into the modern world. But Trump has also proposed cutting funding for Great Lakes, the Great Lakes restoration effort. So is he a friend to the Great Lakes, or isn't he? Senator Debbie Stabenow has been acutely focused on Great Lakes issues during her tenure in Washington, D.C. She joins me now from Mackinac Island at the Mackinac Policy Conference. Senator, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, always great to be with you. And all around, we look outside there, are the Great Lakes. It's all around this us up here, right? Of yeah. Michigan. It's right. in our DNA. and We, we have, have to cross one of them to yes, get here. Yes, exactly. Right? Right? exactly. Uh, so, so let's start with that question. Uh, is the president a friend of the Great Lakes or is he a threat to them? Well, let me just share uh, the reality of what he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, he zeroed out all the funding for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative mm-hmm. in his budget uh, for this year. Mm-hmm. Now, thanks to a, a great effort of Michigan people at the front of the line, we saved every penny. Yeah. So in response to that, instead of 100%, next year his budget has a 90% okay. cut okay. in it, which means I'll have I to I guess go that's back progress again. of a sort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would still say he, they don't get it. Yeah. They say it's a local issue, and yeah. I've sent them pictures of Canada from looking at Lake Huron. <laughs> I said, there's another country. I can see another country from I, here. Yeah, right? and, and exactly. This is So <laughs> the other thing is that even though I'm glad he said we need to do something about the Sulox, but his budget has cut infrastructure Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. done anything to help us in terms of that. And then in addition to that, his budget also eliminated rural water and sewer projects, Mm -hmm. which are incredibly important all over rural Michigan, like where I grew up in Clare. And all of that also feeds into the rivers and the lakes, into the Great Lakes. So I don't know what he has against water, but it seems like... (laughs) He he just doesn't understand. Yeah, but so far his budget does not reflect that he values clean water. Yeah. but the news about the Sioux Locks it's good is news. pretty important. Now, I, my my hesitation there is, how are you going to get the money for that well, when you're cutting taxes and all these other crazy things? But the priority is in the right place there. Yes. And what we have is a water resources bill. And I've worked really closely with the chairman. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, we're not only opposite parties, but really philosophically very, very different. But he stepped up to help me get funding for Flint as well. And Mm -hmm. so I appreciate Senator Inhofe. In that bill that just came out of committee, we have an authorization to move forward Mm -hmm. on the Sioux Locks, Mm -hmm. which is very important. We have to get the number that it will cost. Army Corps will have that within a month, yeah. and then we plug the number in. It's a big but number, it's, though, it's, right? We're looking at somewhere close to a billion dollars. Okay. It's a big number. Okay. This is, though, a huge construction project, the most important one for our state in sure. terms of infrastructure, built during World War II. It was a national security issue. Mm-hmm. And we have basically, there's three locks, but only one allows 70% of the barges to go through. Only one is big enough. Right. And so what we want to take is the two small ones, make another big one right. out of it, right. and then basically we won't have to worry if this World War II built it's lock building shuts in down. building reasonable redundancy exactly. in case 
exactly. were one of them were to stop operating, right. uh, and you couldn't get through. Yeah, right? and this would literally shut down not only the Great Lakes economy mm -hmm. but the U.S. It economy. Would, everyone, everybody, I mean, everyone depends on being able to transit right. that. That You're talking about it. agricultural produce, mm -hmm. raw materials for manufacturing, mm -hmm. products. I mean, when they when you look at it, it is a major waterway and thoroughfare for our products in right. this country. Right, right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Senator Debbie Stabenow from the state of Michigan, and we are talking about water and infrastructure. Um, we've seen a lot of folks up here at Mackinac Island talking about Line 5, which yes. they do yeah. every year. It seems that, that it's an issue that's getting more attention when we're away from Mackinac now. Uh, where do you come down on the question of shut it down or keep working with Enbridge to maybe make it safer? Well, first of all, if it's not safe, it should stop. Yeah. And so when there were problems with it and there were winds and storms and there were concerns, uh, I sent a letter, Senator Peters and I, to Enbridge to say, you've got to temporarily stop this mm -hmm. until they can absolutely verify that this uh, is okay to go forward. They did do that, mm -hmm. but only for a very short amount of time. And so I still think there's still the question here, big question, about whether or not this 60-year-old-plus uh, pipe is safe enough. We right. can't afford a spill. Right. Uh, ultimately, the state has to decide because they give the approval for it. Mm -hmm. Where I've been focused, both Senator Peters and I have been focused on safety. There's a pipeline safety uh, board yes. federally, yes. Uh, making sure the Coast Guard can operate in, in ice. I mean, one of the things we found, they didn't have the equipment. They didn't have the equipment to do it, right. Yeah. And so we are focused on that, on focused also on uh, what do you do if there's a spill in fresh water? All the studies are salt water. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we are laser focused on all of those things. It doesn't take the place of making sure that it's safe on the front end, but Within what we can do federally, we are very focused on all those things to uh, require that it be done safely, no matter how it's done. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about the Farm Bill. One of the things that you do in Washington is uh, sit on the Agriculture I Committee. Do. Yeah. Uh, I do, I've always thought that's uh, a really interesting dimension of your work. Uh, there, um, uh, there has been some news about the farm bill being stalled. Yes. I feel like this is something that happens pretty regularly, though, right? We we get to Trickly a point where yes, right? <laughs> well, yeah, right. We know why that's true, uh, but I feel like this comes up over and over again, where we we hit a snag, uh, and then there's some compromising that has to that has to get done to make sure yes. that things move forward. But of course. Uh, the important part of the farm bill, or one of the most important parts of the farm bill, is the food, food. assistance it does for for poor people, and that's that always seems to be in jeopardy somehow when we're talking about this. Well, first of all, we do a five-year farm bill, mm -hmm. and so now's the time to bring it up again. Mm -hmm. And I always say that we have a deal between a family safety net mm -hmm. and a farmer safety yes. net. Right, right. And so we support farmers if prices are down. Yeah. They've been down by 50% since we wrote the last farm bill. A lot of farmers in trouble. Our dairy farmers have been particularly hit and uh, trade affects them, all kinds of things. So we need food to be produced. We need farmers who have the riskiest business yeah. in the world to be successful. 
we also need to make sure that families, when they need food help, can, they can get it. Get it. And yeah. now, eighty percent of the food help goes to seniors, mm-hmm. people with disabilities, children, and their families. And so that's eighty percent of the twenty percent. These are folks in and out of the economy, uh, working one, two, three. Part-time jobs, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. work a few months off, then work a few months. But what we've seen, the good news is, there are fewer people now in that category because the economy is getting better. Right. So ironically, in the Farm Bill, the biggest savings right now mm-hmm. is in the food safety net. We're going to save over $80 billion in the next 10 years on the food safety net because it's working as a safety net. This is not where we should be having a debate right, right now. Right. And so it becomes this ideological issue. Uh, it's based on a lot of faults premises, not on facts. Uh, we in the Senate are not going to do what the House did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're, I'm negotiating right now a bipartisan bill with the chairman. As you know, I chaired the committee last yes, time. Yes. Darn it, I'm now ranking member. <laughs> but, right, right. We, uh, but we have a great working relationship. Yeah. We did it before. Yeah. And we really look at it as kind of co-chairs. And we're just not going to play politics with people's lives. Yeah. And that's, that's always so dangerous, and it makes me, it always makes me quite sad about the way things yeah. work in Washington, that, that we come to this point, it seems, yeah, no, pretty frequently. And, and the thing is, we've made so much progress uh, because we now have healthy meals in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, we have one out of six children in Michigan who do not know where their next meal is going to sure, come from. Sure, Food insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so they, in school, they're able to get a healthy meal, right. breakfast and lunch or or mm-hmm. one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summer, many of these children don't have they don't access get to that. food. Right. So we've now expanded that to healthy meals in the summertime. Yeah. And, uh, and that's made a difference for children. Um, we also have added school gardens, which I love. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Teach them where food comes from. Where food from. doesn't come from the grocery yeah, store. Right, right. <laughs> it comes out of the ground. Right. And kids are more likely to eat healthy food if they help grow it. Right. So it's really cool. Yeah. I've had a chance. We have uh, over 80 different school gardens in Detroit. And, um, uh, in fact, I'm very honored, I should tell you, <laughs> Frederick <laughs> Douglass Academy, yeah. after I uh, worked with them, and uh, they have a hoop house that, you know, it covers like a greenhouse. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they named it after me. So oh, I am the only <laughs> senator that has a hoop house named that after me. That is very <laughs> cool. <laughs> but they, what I loved is they not only have this garden, they developed their own solar-powered watering system. Yeah. The kids did it themselves. Right. Wow, that's and unbelievable. It's, it's fantastic. And the teachers there are awesome. Yeah. I mean, so... To me, that's fantastic. And then the other thing I would say on food, we've got Eastern Market, and now we have people who sell on Saturdays mm-hmm. who have such a great customer base. They're opening their own retail shops. Wow. Wow. So wow. we've got people all over. People on Livernois, we go up and, or, or, you know, every neighborhood. I go out to areas where people are... Uh, developing, you know, sister pie yeah, or sweet right, potato right. pie. Great or places, right? Great places all over. Yeah. And um, I was just at Good Cakes and Bakes uh, uh, up on uh, uh, Seven Mile. Uh-huh. And they're fantastic entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. And this came from food from and the food, food industry. The food economy, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, Senator Debbie Stabenow, Democrat from Michigan. It's always great to catch up with you. It's great to see Thanks you. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Yeah.
You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are at the Detroit Regional Chamber's annual policy conference on Mackinac Island. The island's awash with talk of a few major topics this week, including the future of regional transit and who might be our next governor. My next guest is the maestro of this business and policy performance, staged by hundreds and attended by thousands. Sandy Barua, welcome to Detroit Today. Wow, maestro. I like <laughs> maestro, that. That right? is great. See I think, how I did that? I, I think I just got a pay raise. <laughs> That's right. Would that would that, that would happen to all of us, right? Yeah. Um, so what are you most excited about this year, Sandy? So uh, lots of things. One, you know, the, uh, the groundbreaking gubernatorial debate that we're going to do, yeah. which uh, you and Nolan and Christie are going to moderate, you know, the three top Democrats, the three top Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be able to play to their base. They have to play to a statewide bipartisan audience. Uh, I think that's going to be really a big, a big event in this year's gubernatorial cycle. Uh, really excited about uh, these panels that we have around the policy and regulatory environment uh, of next generation mobility. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily the most sexy issue in the world, you know, policy, insurance, and regulatory. But if we don't get that construct right in this state, you know, we're not going to own the next generation of mobility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to get that right. Yeah. Uh, I was part of a panel on Tuesday that took, to, uh, took a look at higher ed access. Uh, it was a very, I thought it was a very interesting subject. But that's a new kind of add, really, to this, uh, to this conference. Talk about why that's an important subject for you guys. So, you know, education has been uh, as some on our agenda in some form or fashion literally every year. Every because year, yeah. when you look at uh, all the issues that we've made progress on in this state, mm-hmm. There are some glaring issues where we have not made progress Mm -hmm. in this state, Mm -hmm. and educational attainment is one of them. And so we are really focused, a lot of our kind of pre-sessions, if you will, have been focused around the talent challenge for the 21st century. We are really lagging. Yeah. Uh, 600,000 is the number that they say we will be short of college graduates by the time we need uh, those people for jobs. I mean, it's a staggering gap, and it's it's getting worse. I remember in 2010 when we were here, Business Leaders for Michigan was talking about that talent gap, how bad it was going to be. The numbers haven't moved. No, they really haven't. And you're exactly right, Stephen. They are, they are getting worse. So when you put that 600,000 number in context, that number doesn't grow every year. Right now in Southeast Michigan, there are 690,000 adults that have some college but no degree or no certificate. Right. So think about that. We have almost 700 adults walking around Southeast Michigan that have likely incurred some debt because mm-hmm. they've gone to uh, school in some form or fashion, but they don't have you know, the sheepskin. They don't have the, the credential. So we actually announced an initiative with the Kresge Foundation, uh, Wayne State, and Macomb Community College to try to get a big chunk of that 690000 back to finish their two-year or four-year mm-hmm. or highly skilled certificate. Yeah. Uh, you've been at the Chamber for several years now. We have been doing this together for... This is my 12th year in a row, Sandy. <laughs> uh, you haven't actually you haven't actually been here all of that time. I have not. At first, uh, I did Klaus have more hair though here. when I came. <laughs> right. Um, how much has the event changed? Do you feel over over that time? It is different 
than what I can remember from 10 or 12 years ago. Well, it's different by design. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, when I inherited this event, uh, I said, listen, this is a really fantastic event. But mm -hmm. one, it has to be a an event really worth going to. Mm -hmm. And it has to be an event uh, really that is catered to leadership and leadership decisions. So it needs to be serious. It can't be a, a, a big cocktail party. Yeah. The other thing we said is that, listen, this can't happen in secret. We have to take the veil off of this. This can't be a bunch of executives going up north to an island, you know, and then not and nobody whatever. gets to peer behind exactly. The curtain, right? So you know, with our you know, that's why we have we have 160 yeah. working journalists from the national, local. Uh, and state level working this conference. We have a partnership with the Detroit Public Television that covers all of our sessions live. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. live stream everything. We have a to-do list that holds ourselves accountable that the governor, the chair, and myself uh, issue at the end of each uh, at each conference. Uh, and you know, we want people to comment on it right. uh, because this is a conversation that takes place with 1,700 people, but it's for the entire state of Michigan. Yeah. Okay, Sandy Barua, CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Another great conference. Thank you. We talk with the leaders of our state legislature. Stay with us live from the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.